As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hello and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. And I hope at this point that some of you who have listened to previous episodes get the joke in the name of the show. Clearly, all of the interviews we're doing are very long and they are in no way, shape, or form 100 Words or Less. Not even the introduction is 100 Words or Less. But, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of funny and obviously was a little play on words, joke, ha ha ha. So, uh, yeah, if some of you got that, cool. If you didn't get it, that's fine. I'm explaining it now. Anyways, uh, yeah, you can reach out to us on Twitter at 100wordspodcast. And you can also email us, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. More than willing to read whatever suggestions you may have to make the show better. Um, I'm probably going to cut that off around episode 10 and be like, yo, this is the way the show is going to be. So if you want feedback, get it in now. There was someone who created a drinking game around the show saying that the amount of times that I say sure in an interview, uh, you need to take a shot or whatever. Uh, I personally don't drink, but I'm sure that I could maybe, you know, drink a lot of ginger ale doing that. But, uh, if you want to do that and play it with some of the first few episodes, let me know how drunk you get. So I am sitting here today with uh, Mr. Joey Cahill, who uh, some of you are intimately familiar with from the previous podcast we did called First World Problems. And now Joey hello. is... Hello. <laughs> I wasn't done with my introduction. You just totally... Okay. Hype. It's Continue. okay. I, I'm your hype man. So uh, Joey is the proprietor of 6131 Records, and he will also be the music correspondent for 100 Words or Less. And uh, I, I'll let you decide which one is a more illustrious title. But um, that will be the role that uh, Joey fills with this uh, this new endeavor. So, uh, Joey, welcome. Yes. Hello. Hello. Thanks no, for I, having me. It's, it's, it, is, it is my obvious pleasure. Um, <laughs> so, being the musical correspondent, uh, what is tickling your uh, musical fancy as of late? Uh, there are probably two records. Well, I'll talk about three quickly. That's fine. That are uh, have a... I am deeply invested in at the moment. The first being uh, the most recent Sea Haven OP Winter Forever, which I guess came out last year, but I'm very late to the late to the party and I'm glad that I showed up. <laughs> it is it's awesome. It's I saw them I've seen them a few times but then recently saw them at South by Southwest and everything changed. And yeah. now it's, I there was there was a good week where I was pretty much the only thing that I listened to was that record. What what um, made what made your uh, switch flip from 
Like, what was, what was so special about that performance? I don't know. Yeah? <laughs> it, was, it was just, I don't know. It was just really good. But I have nothing in particular that jumped out was like, well, you know, they did this and they did this. But I, I always like seeing bands from California and other places get good reactions. Yeah. So maybe that was, that was part of it. This, I mean, it was at like this pizza place in Texas and there was just a ton of kids grouped around and all singing along. Um, nice. Yeah, it was really cool. But that record is, if I could redo my best of 2011, it would probably make the list. Oh, nice. A little uh, late edition. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Sea Haven, Winter Forever, Sun Run for Cover. You should go buy it. Um, the next record is from uh, a female artist that I recently discovered that I think, you know, coming up in the industry, she probably, I don't want to say too much about her because I want to just, you know, discover her for yourself. Her name is Taylor Swift. I've heard of her. And yeah. Yeah. She's, she's small. Right. Not a big deal at the moment, but I have a feeling that over time it might catch on. Yeah. Um, and the record I've been listening to is Speak Now. Um, yeah. That's all I want to say. Just yeah. Do yourself a favor and check out this new artist, Taylor Swift. You got it. I mean, she she reminds me a lot of. Um, you've probably heard of her, like Adele. I don't know if you've heard of her yet. I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know who this Adele is, but you know. it, it just reminds me. Like they're probably similar vibe in the sense of you know, like very DIY. Like you know, put out a few yeah, seven inches. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you got to work to find Taylor Swift and whoever this Adele person is. I'm assuming. Yeah, um, so, I'll, s- I'll send you. I'll send you a media fire link. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Not mega upload. Um, but so uh, yeah, good good hunting everyone on on Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, I, I don't know where you can find it, but good luck. Um, and the last record is the the new Pennywise record uh, called All or Nothing, and it is the first record with Zoli from Ignite on vocals, and. It is awesome. It's it's pretty much the, it's the first Pennywise record since Full Circle, which came out what ninety seven. Mm. That I've I've been fully behind, and I listen to it constantly. Um, it sounds like kind of like Pennywise the, the About Time record. It's it's really melodic, but uh, meets uh, ignites a place called home. Called home. I mean. There's, there's a few songs that Zoli really, you hear the Zoli come out. Um, but for them, you know, a lot of, like, he doesn't really branch out like he does on all the night records, but when he does on this record, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm excited to have a, a new Pennywise record that I, that I enjoy. Yeah, no, it's, it'll definitely be exciting to see how they're able to really navigate through all of the, Pennywise fans and be able to convert everybody. And do you, do you think it'll do that job of like people not being pissed about Jim not being the singer? I don't think people care. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's to me that, you know, like I said, like straight ahead was pretty good. had some good songs, whatever the one after it had fuck authority. And that song was cool, but I couldn't tell you the names of the other records that have constant sense. Right. The, and, the, the MySpace record. <laughs> Yeah, like there's some, some more random Epitaph records, my face record, who knows. But this is, I think this will bring back a lot of those old fans and like a lot of, you know, new fans. Like the, I think people who like Ignite would like this record because there's times where it just sounds like an Ignite record. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited to be in, start following Pennywise again. Yeah, that's well. Being from Southern California, we're we're always yeah. pu- we're always pulling for Pennywise. <laughs> they were in 1992 is when I got into Pennywise, so I'm excited that uh, I can uh, jump back in <laughs> a few years later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you yeah. very much, Joey. I appreciate the recommendations, and uh... of course, okay, I look forward to uh, talking again soon. This week's guest is Mr. Garrett O'Donnell, which uh, some of you may know from his previous band, Planes Mistaken for Stars. That's how I first discovered him. He now plays under the moniker Hawks and Doves, which is 100% of his own music, but then he gets together with friends to write and record uh, and occasionally tour. So I've known him for quite some time, just casually and then professionally, because I worked with his band on the record label I used to work at called Abacus Recordings. Uh, We put out the record Mercy, which was the final Planes Mistaken for Stars record. And um, yeah, so this this conversation I was really excited to have. And uh, Garrett was just a great dude and still is. And uh, he's, uh, as you'll see in the interview, he's a very old soul. He's had a lot of life experience and uh, he just has a lot of cool perspectives, not caring about playing towards a scene but existing in those scenes. Um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of cool stuff that you can listen to in here. So without further ado, here he is. such as yourself it's like you know being in a band is not just like being in a band it's like a lifestyle like especially what you've done you know um yeah definitely i mean yeah yeah (laughs) most definitely i mean it it doesn't really lend itself to normalcy or what what you would think oh definitely but i mean you know even though Financially, logically, and sometimes spiritually, like it's almost impossible to like leave. You still have that. It's it's like being a fucking crackhead. <laughs> it's an it's an addiction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like oh, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I have to. Yeah. Only it's a little bit more positive. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's not. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, being in a band could be destructive in some ways, but it's not um, too. Yeah, it's obviously not the same. You don't see television <laughs> shows about intervention for people starting bands and playing music. Well, that would be worth watching. They're not going to do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, <clears throat> I guess a good place to start because I like to, you know, there. I think a lot of people, especially, you know, I mean, I've I've known you for a while, and we've dealt with each other professionally and personally on, you know, different aspects, but in the context of where, you know, people like you and I know each other, it's like, there's never really any time to be like, Hey, so where did, you know, where were you born? Like where, you know, why did you become the person that you are and stuff like that? So I kind of wanted to start off with like, you know, were you, uh, you know, were you always, were you born in like the Illinois area? Cause you know, I mean, I, 
my first exposure to Planes of the Sacred for Stars, your you know your original music project, so to speak, um, was like out of the Pure, Pure Illinois area. Like, were you born there, or were, what was your upbringing? Um, yeah, I don't remember much about it, but yeah, I was definitely born there. <laughs> and, <laughs> sure. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, upbringing. Uh, you know, my mom was a nurse, single mother, me and my little brother. Uh, my grandparents were there. They were huge, huge in my life, like huge forces and shaping as far as like, you know, go back to asking what, why I am, how I am. A big part of it would be my pop, grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was kind this, of like, was this, sorry to interrupt, was this all like, uh, was this in Peoria, or did you? Was it like kind of the surrounding areas, or where did you make your move? Yeah, yeah, it was Peoria. Oh, okay, I, I was in Peoria until I was almost, I think, she's twenty-two, and then yeah, I moved to twenty-one or twenty-two, and then I think there's we had some kind of a mass exodus. I think there's thirteen of us moved at once to Denver. Holy shit! Yeah, we were sort of all on the same page. Um, we all came up pretty much the same way. Uh, kind of disenfranchised, like, you know, little fucking punk rockers, skateboard kids. And Peoria didn't really lend itself to that. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's all relative. Peoria, in some respects, I'm just coming to grips with it now. Because any time I've been there or lived there, it was not by my choice. And I'm actually planning on moving back there soon to be closer to my kids and just just a little mellower but that's that's my own issues yeah it sounds trite but happiness is what you make it you know mm-hmm. um, but growing up yeah it, it was it was kind of a blight it was a bit of a yeah, I just felt we all felt sort of crushed and we're like alright let's get the hell out of here and then we became young adults, not, not quite, you know, men or women yet, but yeah, well, cause young it, adults, and we're like, we can do this now, right? Well, because to put to put it in context too, like, I mean, I, I personally have been to Peoria a few times because my my stepfather was raised in Farmington, Illinois, which is like, you know, an hour south, and so Peoria was obviously like the biggest, closest city, but I, Peoria is like um, it. it some of my first memories of are Farmington. I, I lived there for like a year when I was five. I know that that just blows my mind because I remember seeing you guys <laughs> seeing Planes Mistaken for Stars when you guys came through and uh, and played like Coos Cafe here in Santa Ana, California. And I just remember <laughs> someone told me you guys were from Peoria, and I went up to I can't remember who it was, but I was just like, "Hey, I've been to Farmington at your merch," and they were like, "Fuck yeah. you." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was somebody with a beard and long hair. Yeah, um, precisely. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> but to put Peoria in context, it's like it was a big enough city to be like you know a city, but definitely I didn't feel like it had a strong identity, so to speak. Um, I don't know if that you felt you know was that kind of like the, well, the like, stifling nature of it. It's like the the little engine that didn't. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's sort of it's sort of it, it's sort of depressing. I mean, because it has all the the right trappings, 
I mean, it has a couple colleges. It has industry, or it had industry. It's like your classic Rust Belt. I mean, it's one of the biggest population-wise in Illinois. I think the second, if not, second, second or third. And I mean, I, I don't know what it is, whether it's something in the water. Oh, I found a book on Peoria. Um, it's pretty, it's amazing. Like, it, you know, it goes, it, it focuses largely on, you know, the early 1900s, whatnot. And, uh, you know, Capone at one point had moved all of the bootlegging dealings down to Peoria and it was starting to kind of blow up, you know, like it was like the hip place to be. I mean, you've heard the saying, if it plays in Peoria, right? Have you heard that? I have heard it'll that, play yeah. Any- yeah, if it, if it plays in Peoria, and what it means is if it plays in Peoria, it'll play anywhere. Because it's such a cross-section of... Well, there's two ways to look at it, because it's cross-section, such a large cross-section of people, or that if the Hicks and Peoria can deal with it, you can deal with it in New York, you know, no sweat. Yeah. But um, but uh, what, I've, what I've learned, it's taken me years, you know, is that uh, Peoria... Maybe not the greatest place to stay, but it's a great place to be from because some of the best people I've ever met. Yeah, it sounds. Ever, I mean, yeah, it sounds. Are, are the, from there? Interesting. It, it's a certain sort of like uh, gives you a certain sort of constitution. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. I don't know what it's like right now because I'm not a teenager <laughs> growing yeah. up in Peoria, like trying to wrap my head around sure. pop culture or the future or art or music or anything uh i will tell you that you know that part of the country gets a bad rap like a lot of people don't realize how beautiful uh, illinois is parts of it it's not all flat i mean very hilly and beautiful but i will also tell you culturally i mean i was because i had to move this is fantastic i had to move to my mom's basement when i was 30 yeah (laughs) i just turned 30 (laughs) And it was great. It was great. It was like, Denver was my city. And it's like, I, I never thought that I wouldn't be in Denver. Mm-hmm. My city had it fucking wired. You know, my best friends ever, good jobs, like, blah, blah, blah. Life happens. Shit falls out sometimes. Sure. Anyway, so I moved in my mom's basement, and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, it was the last Plains tour. The guys, uh, you know, we went all out for the last tour, and we actually rented an RV pretty fantastic and we were able to bring our friends that were opening with us uh, Kingdom of Magic in the RV with us so it was like a quarter of Denver in this RV <laughs> like, like everybody I loved with all my heart and you know we're headed back they were headed back west and I wasn't with them yeah that must, that must have been weird <laughs> yeah and they're like alright we're dropping you off uh, at your mom's house right like you know, it's really good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they take off, and it was you know it, that was heartbreaking enough. But later on that day, I was like, you know what? Screw this! I'm going to the bar. I need a drink. Like I just this is just too much to swallow. Like, oh yeah, like, like sitting fifty pounds of shit in a ten pound bag. You know, like this sure. is just too much. And so I'm, I'm 30 years old, and I'm walking up to the bar. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. A pickup truck drives by me and yells, "Faggot!" Oh my god! 
Ah. Like, and I just, like, you know, I just about gave up the ghost right there. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm 30. Yeah. This, this was, this was, this wasn't acceptable when I was 15, man. But, yeah. uh. This is one of the reasons why I moved out of Peoria. Yeah. You know, and to, to be fair, like, I paint a picture of it sometimes that really isn't. <laughs> It isn't that bad. A lot of it's a mental state and yeah. where you are emotionally. And it just so happens that most of the time that I was spent in Peoria, other than, you know, my, my childhood, was, uh, other than my childhood, yeah, it was miserable. Yeah, no, I <laughs> <laughs> No, no, so it's easy to pick, you know, pick, pick it apart, pick the bad parts out, and that's what usually, like, rises to the surface. Yeah, no, it's it's easy to yeah, it's easy to talk on the bad things like you said. But yeah. um, was your um, so did your uh, your father had no influence on your life whatsoever? He kind of just skipped town, so to speak. Um, well, that's a whole yeah, that's a whole other I'm segment, sure that's right? not a simple question. Um, <laughs> no, my father. What's uh, hmm, the best way? I, I try to be really careful and ginger when I talk about family. I understand. Um, he, for whatever reason, he wasn't around. Sure. I, I, he's, he's a wonderful grandfather. Got it. Got like it. he's, he's wonderful to my sons and I, there's just a, I didn't really meet him until my first son was born. Like we didn't really have a relationship, mm-hmm. whatever, like whatever happened, happened. I mean, I've gotten a lot more sensitive to these things because uh, I have children of my own, and I know that their soul will line, or have maybe been at some point, and who knows? Like, there's two sides, three sides, four sides to every story. Of course. It's not, it's not, will, uh, it's not just cut and dry, but no, I totally understand that. And at least, like... No. In a, a lot of cases, people are way too black and white, and especially, like, you know, our artists. And musicians will be like, my dad was bad, I'm angry. You know? It's simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, but it's, it's not, you know? And, and I love the man. I, uh, you know, there's a reckoning to be had at some point that just hasn't happened. Sure. No, I understand. Um, but I, you know, I'm not sure, but no, no, he wasn't. And to, he wasn't around. And to be, to be fair, I don't, I don't know exactly all what happened, but I will say that growing up here and there, I mean, you gotta figure this is like the eighties mm-hmm. when this is, and you know, and it was still like kind of a, I mean, you're, you're past like the, what do you call it? The, this is when we started to slide out of like the atomic family age. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The nuclear family. Nuclear family, yeah, atomic family. That's smart. Um, <laughs> nuclear, nuclear, same, same fucking family. Same thing. Um, <laughs> nuclear family, and like people, like it was kind of like a, a topic. It was topical. And I remember like people asking me, like, do you know, where's your dad? Or you don't have a dad? Or, you know, and I was like, huh? Right. But I, I just, I didn't notice. Yeah. Like well, it didn't, had, you, it like, meant nothing. You mentioned that you obviously, you're, you know, your grandpa and your grandparents in general were a very large figure, and it's not like you were left to want because you did have people that surrounded you that loved you, obviously. Exactly. I didn't, yeah. 
it, you know, I wasn't like out of a fucking Dickens novel. I wasn't running around kangaroo clubs. Ooh, sir. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I had I had a great upbringing. To me, it was like, well, where are your grandparents? I got three parents. Yeah. You're like, you I, know? I, I like, beat you. You know, my my mom was my best friend. Or, you know, like, my, my mom was my mom. Right. My grandmother was the, was the disciplinarian, you know? Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was my best friend. So it was kind of like, I, I don't know. I mean... I think out of all of them, like, probably my grandfather rubbed off on me the most, like, just, just a wise ass, but really kind of mellow and just, like, stoic, but not in, like, a haughty way, you know? Sure. Just, yeah, just... He was fine. I mean, I grew up in bars, dude, like... That's okay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You, you, you I, I should... I should I should rephrase that. I grew up in American Legion halls. Right, right. You you learned you learned from the uh, communal atmosphere of <laughs> of the American Legion yeah. halls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's where my sense of humor comes from, and for like a large part of my lexicon comes from. You mm-hmm. know, sure. You know, I try to talk to people sometimes, and they're like, "What's wrong with this guy? I don't understand a word that's coming out of his mouth." <laughs> because I'm, just, I'm talking like a 70-year-old man would 20 years ago. Right. You know? So, you were, yeah, you, but, were, you definitely had, uh, you were, in certain ways, you were obviously not sheltered from the world and you were exposed to it pretty quickly, not in a negative manner, but just in a, like you said, you know, you, you in certain no, aspects, yeah. you were born old. No, yeah, I, I absolutely would not. I was protected, but I was not sheltered. Right, right. I was I was safe, but I wasn't. Nobody sold me a lot of shit. Right. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and it's it's you know like yeah, it, and it's funny because that's what like, my impression my impression of you and kind of the impression that you know you obviously have put out with you know your your art and your music is that. Um, above all everything else has been extremely honest with the band you know it's like there's never no one could look at what you've done with Planes Mistaken for Stars or Hawks and Doves and they might not like it musically but they can't question its authenticity if that makes any sense you know and it's kind of like and that that means the world to me I mean that's all we ever really if we set out to achieve anything which I don't think you really know until it's hindsight I mean, because we're a different kind of breed of band, you right. know, like, in uh, at that, we were like the last wave of bands that we were bands because that's what we had to do. Like, nowadays, bands, uh, you know, they have agents or fucking Kickstarter accounts before they even have a tune. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we were like the last wave of, like, kind of get-in-the-van bands, you know, like, we were like steeped on like SST records and like all we knew of touring was like from reading old zines and being like okay well Black Flag did it this way right (laughs) I mean mean, it it sounds incredibly naive but I mean we just that's just how we did things like I like we didn't have a cell phone until well I I didn't have a cell phone until I was 30 right I'm 35 now (laughs) I do the math like yeah and it was it was kind of like it wasn't like we were staunch like ebullition style like punk rockers like so cell phones are the you know 
not fucking kosher. It was just like, do we need this? Right. You know, there's pay phones. Now there isn't. It's right. totally bizarre. <laughs> but uh, really, I was looking for one recently. I don't. I didn't even know why. Maybe I needed a quarter. Uh, right. <laughs> you kick them hard enough. <laughs> You're like, just, just kick them hard enough. You can get a couple bucks. Right, 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 right. But uh, 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 before I forget, yeah, just talking about like not being filled the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, one of my favorite things that my grandpa ever told me, my, my pop told me, was uh, I remember <laughs> we were in a store called Children's Palace. Remember that? It's like Toys R Us, but before Toys R Us. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about, yeah. And, you know, once in a while, we would we would go there. Never get anything. He just let me look. <laughs> I remember being like, trying my first stab at trying to like, be conniving or manipulative, you know? Right. <laughs> Saying, boy, I, I really wish I had that pop. It was like a G.I. Joe or whatever. Right. And looking at me and like, you know, Tussle on my little ragamuffin head. And he said, wish in one hand, shit in the other boy. See what fills up faster. <laughs> and and uh, that's just, that's how, that's my understanding of things. Yeah. Words of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, and sort of to transition into that, um, you know, how did you, because obviously, like you were speaking about Peoria, and obviously it not being the hotbed culture of the world or hotbed center of culture in the world. How did you sort of start to trip on? You know, like you were mentioning SST, Black Flag. Like, you know, what was your your entry point, and like, how were you exposed to that? The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Um, I mean, there's always a couple, like, 
like older kids around, you know, like in high school or whatever, sure. junior high, you know, or you, you know, we'd go to the mall and there'd be the guy with the blue mohawk, and you'd look and see what his jacket said, and then you would, sure. <laughs> then you would just try to try to see like those reference points. I mean, you know, like the Crimson Ghost from the Misfits, like mm-hmm. that would be like a, a telltale sign if you see that. Then that sticker in a record store, or a comic book store, or whatever, you would head that way, you know, and, and then you would just try to. Well, basically, it's just game over once you get your first. Well, then once you got your first zine, and then you could write people. Got it. And like, I mean, yeah, that's kind of that was a big part of it, and then mine. Well, I, I kind of lucked out in two ways. Uh, and, well, I don't know if lucked out's really the... <laughs> yeah, you were headed down a path, let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah, the two the two things that headed me down the path that that, that I went were uh, Streets on Fire. I got, like, a bootleg copy of Streets on Fire, because I was a little, you know, skate, skate guy, you know, uh-huh. skateboarder. That was my big thing. And uh, Streets on Fire had the most amazing... All, it was all SST except for the Palehead tracks on there. Um, but most amazing soundtrack. And, and other, like, up to that point, I hadn't really. I liked music. My mother always played music, had records in the house, but she wasn't, you know, some sort of savant. You know, like, she, she would, you know, jam out on The Police, which is still my favorite band. Um, but yeah, The Police, Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. you know, your staples. Sure. And I remember enjoying them and really liking liking some songs, but man, that Streets on Fire video, Santa Cruz Skateboards, yeah. Nice. I, I watched it for the skateboarding, but I remember just being completely floored on how rad the music was. Like, what is this? Like, the first time you hear a nervous breakdown. Come on. You know? Or Fire Hose, or right. just all those bands. And, uh, I didn't have a stereo, and I certainly had no means to get one, but what I would do is I would uh, play the movie and my, when my grandparents were gone. And sometimes when they were there, they didn't mind so much. I'd play the, the VHS tape, and I would turn the TV up as loud as it would go, and I would skate on the sidewalk. And uh, that's, that's kind of what got me into punk rock or hardcore or whatever. Sure, yeah, In- independent culture. <laughs> Yeah, and like you know, and 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 then from there on out, I would you know save my paper route money or whatever and order records. Nice. Or uh, you know, you get one Maximum Rock and Roll. There's hundreds of addresses in there. You know, I mean, you got to throw a bunch against the the wall to see what sticks. And I ordered a lot of terrible records. I'll tell you that. Right. But uh, <laughs> you got to learn the hard way. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And then the other really driving force in that part of my life was. I lucked out that my mom's, uh, her high school boyfriend named Sheldon, Sheldon Eater, cool dude, uh, he always kept in touch with her and, and me, and he, he's just an old rock and roll cat. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's had record stores since the 70s, and, you know, I mean, he's been everywhere. Like, he showed me his, like, sex pistol uh, ticket stuff from when they canceled Chicago. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. But I mean, he's he's probably 60, 60 something now. I actually just went and visited him, but uh, so he just he's just a hip cat, 
And uh, I think from like sixth grade on up until, well, still, like every year I'll get a box full of records and old dreams. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, you know, I mean, he'll be like, hey, man, you know, what the fuck? You, you haven't been, you, you're not hip to the pretty things or the pink fairies? <laughs> or like so the pink cool. fairies? Yeah, they used to tour with Hawkwood. Here, let me send you a couple records. You know, stuff like that. And yeah, that was like a, a huge driving force. And I think probably a large force of why musically what Planes did was a little askew of some of the other stuff that was going on because at the same time that we're listening to, you know, whatever, Black Flag and, and or, you know, Sam I Am, we're also listening to the Pink Fairies and Hawkwind. Right. And this the kind of semi-obscure shit that, that turned us on just as much. Right. And it didn't, and obviously it's not cited as a typical influence. And this actually leads into, you know, my next question about kind of, you know, where the inception, because um, I imagine, I mean, you probably played, um, or, you know, kind of what prompted you to sort of, you know, pick up guitar and start to obviously be interested in the idea of, like, you know, coming into, you know, a band and playing a band. Because I imagine that Planes probably wasn't your first uh, stab at playing in a band because everyone always ha- obviously has to have a terrible band beforehand. But ma- who knows? Oh yeah, well, I, <laughs> you, got, you, have, you have a few, I hope. I came, I came out golden, buddy. No, oh, yeah, I, definitely, <laughs> I came out. No, I definitely had a, I definitely had a band that was uh, a little questionable. But it, you know, we're kiddos. Yeah. What was it? What was the name uh, of the band? I always love names of first bands. What was the name of it? Yeah, if you remember. You're gonna do that to me. Um, I, I am. I mean, it, it, if you're not comfortable with it, yeah, I, I can. I can. No, out, no. I can out my first band's name. We can trade. It was. It was fine. Mine. Mine. Really, there's not much of a trail to. So, uh, the first first band. Uh, I forget about. It, I think it was 14. Me and Matt Plains, uh first and longest longest standing guitar player. Mm-hmm. Uh, started a band when we were 14 or 15. There's this girl that we both had a crush on oh, in high school. This is already the best. And she story was I've like, ever heard. "Yeah, she's like, you know, I know this guy that I think you get really like along with really well." And I was like, "Yeah, ooh, ooh, you know, <laughs> he likes that punk rock stuff." I was like, "Really? Ooh. Like that was exciting because there's so few of us." And uh, <laughs> we got got in touch with each other. Totally naive, not realizing that we're both being played by the same chick. <laughs> you know, like, right? Oh, it's so cool of her to introduce us together. You know, to each other. <laughs> How does she know you so well? Right. Um, <laughs> we started a band with a uh, kind of some older punk rocker dudes in town. It was called uh, it was called PNB. PNB. Okay. Yes, PND. Uh, I think it's standard. It's standard. It stood for a uh, post nasal drip. Oh, um, so good. <laughs> yes. So did in- I remember one of the first first songs I wrote was about uh, <laughs> Tipper Gore. <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. This, is, this goes way back. I'll, I'll I'll send you a picture. I have one picture of us. Oh, that's the, the graveyard shots have all been lost. We did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that to me, 
you just summarized, I think, like almost everybody's, uh, you know, like 13, 14 year old just getting into punk. Like that, that's like, that's like the typical upbringing. That's perfect. Everybody needs to have that experience. <laughs> yeah. And it, we tried to fucking best, man, but that didn't last long. I got kicked out. And then the, the singer they got, I remember <laughs> the singer they kicked me out for, his name was Alfie. And instead of singing about Tipper Gore, he sang songs about Kermit the Frog. <laughs> that's a that's a slight shift in subject matter. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I I went to their first show with them, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like because they played the same songs, it was just some different dork, you know, right. slightly outdorking me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Keep my dog. Keep my dog. Wow, that's a winner. <laughs> and, and, and then after that, I actually I taught myself how to. Well, it's debatable, but I taught myself how to play bass, and then we started a band called Dismissed. It was kind of like a pop punk sort of thing. Okay. I like I had like discovered like you know Dag Nasty and Screeching Weasel and okay. you know and those totally two different bands, but it appealed to a sense of me that. I hadn't, it was a little bit, it was a step, step up from, you know, the Kermit the Frog stuff. Right, right. And so, like, when you were, obviously when you were playing in these bands and stuff like that, um, was that something that, like, pretty much the moment that, you know, you picked up a guitar and, you know, started to do that, um, was that something, like, like you said, that kind of just became a part of you where you're like, oh, I need to continue to keep doing this. Like, this, this has to be a part of my life, and this is obviously very important. I don't think I was ever conscious of it. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you're just doing what it. Was. Yeah, it was. It was what what I did. It was same thing with like skateboarding, and I was like, you know, obviously I'm not like busting huge like double sets anymore. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But but I still like I'm bombed out. Cause I'm, I'm in my kitchen right now, and I'm looking up at my last deck which I focused on accident uh, this last fall. I never, like, I, I very rarely do I skateboard anymore, but I always have a skateboard. Right. And I always, like, you know, I, I worked at, I was bartending at this bar, and the kitchen staff are all, like, you know, 10 years younger, or whatever, like, grommets, like, with skate dudes, and, <laughs> you know, they're all like, come on, let's go skate, let's go skate. And I was like, I can't really do it like I used to, but... So one day for shits and giggles, I brought my board and I totally fucking housed him. Totally schooled him. Ah, Played a game of skate. <laughs> Did a couple of Ollie Impossibles. You know? Yeah, that's incredible. And like, I've never seen that. You know? And, well, and, and I guess what I, I'm drawing it back to is it's just what I do. I, 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 will, I will always have a skateboard. Just like I'll always have a guitar. You know? Um, I don't know why. It just doesn't feel right otherwise. Yeah, just part part of your blood. I don't, yeah, I don't do it to the same degree that I used to, but also I'm, I'm getting a little bit more into that self-preservation thing. Well, <laughs> self-preservation in the sense of you're trying to protect yourself and make yourself live longer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like, you know, <laughs> the, the idea of a broken leg is much more daunting now than it was at, 25. Got it. Yes, yes. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, 
to be fair, like, I feel stronger than I ever have. Like, you know, 35 feels good. You know, I know my body. I know my limits. And I also know much better what I can do with what I have left. Right. I mean, my 35-year-old self could beat the hell out of my 25-year-old self. I'll tell you that. That's good. But it's just that, you know, you get a little smarter and you get a little bit more intuition, you know? Right, of course. Like you said, you know your limits. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And then sort of... That's why I'm not sleeping on floors 365 days a year. Right, exactly. There was a time and a place. <laughs> and Yeah, I mean, I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready to do it for about 30. 30 days a year would be okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, and speaking about the sleeping on floors 365 days a year, um, I found that really interesting that, you know, you and uh, 12 or 13 of your friends, like, made this mass exodus from Peoria. Um, and I presume that... Um, by that time, like, planes had started to exist in some way, shape, or form, and then obviously the move to Denver sort of crystallized it, or how, how was that transpiring? Um, it all kind of happened at once. Like, okay. planes put out, we got together and it was all, like, just a flash. Like, we decided that we were going to tour, that that's what we wanted to do, that's what made sense, but in order to tour we had to have a reason to uh-huh. and that reason would be the nine songs that we recorded or eight right. I forget how many uh, so we went and you know cut what we thought was a demo and or just an EP mm-hmm. and we started touring got it we put it out ourselves and uh, it kind of caught on sort of yeah no I and it wasn't like it wasn't like gangbusters, but it, it caught on, and we're like, it was just a byproduct of what we what we were. We're like, all right, well, we're going to do this, and then we're going to go, you know, all move together to Denver, and Denver's not New York, Denver's not LA, it's kind of in the middle of the country. Sure. And it doesn't have any pretense. That's true. And it was beautiful. I love, I love Denver. You know, I mean, eastern Colorado is one of the most hideous parts of the country, but once you hit Denver, like, that's that's where I want to be. That's where I want to die, you know? Right. Um, I love it. I love the mountains. I love I loved being able to go out in my backyard every day and see, like, hey, there's always a way out. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> I'm I not... need to, I can hide. Yeah. Sure, you're not trapped. I can hide in those hills. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. (laughs) What is wrong with you? (laughs) Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Yeah, speaking to the, because I, I mean, I remember my first um, exposure to planes was 
right before, you know, the the Deep Elm stuff happened where they obviously picked up that first EP that you were meant or you know, demo slash EP you were mentioning. because um, you you'd come out here to California and you did you did some shows and it was I just remember like the the talk the way that Planes was originally described to me was like Hey, so, you know, you obviously like this, you know, all the stuff that's happening in the, you know, mid-90s from, you know, Get Up Kids, Promise Ring, like the, you know, the emo scene, as it were. Um, you like that sensibility, but here's some dudes that are dirty as shit, long hair, and, like, don't look like any of those other bands, but still have this melodic sensibility. That's what Planes Mistaken for Stars is. And it always, like, it took me back because I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it sounds cool. And then, like, watching you guys play was it, it was definitely exactly how it was described where it was just like like you said there was no pretense you guys got up there you did your thing and you know whatever you know if people liked it it didn't like it whatever you you still were going to do it regardless and that seems like the attitude carried over the entire career of the band yeah it it was i mean you kind of nailed it on the head i mean you know a good guy to talk to about that kind of stuff and somebody you should interview definitely that's he's, he's, he can chat in a <laughs> bar from no no idea Very he true. uh he he and I'd never heard it put this way but he I was just in Gainesville recently and somebody asked how we met it was like you know three of us I think maybe it was Darbs the guy uh the compadre from uh, Hawks Okay. He asked Bar, like, how did you and Garrett meet, you know? And he's like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he described the first time that he saw us and how it was kind of, like, kind of scary, but not. Like, it was like, wow, this is just this far from being too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You guys pushed the envelope, but didn't push it far enough to where it was this, like, completely undigestible. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like his, his, his story about it, because he had heard about, well, me and him had been talking for a bit on the phone because, you know, we didn't want to de- deal with Deep Elm at all. Like, we're just like, just fucking, what a drag, you know, Christ. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no idea. It, it's huge for me. Like, I mean, one of the reasons that I think we went down the path we did too, another huge, like, musical like discovery of mine was there's an issue of no idea that came out that had a split seven inch with Sam I am jawbreaker mm-hmm. and that was like kind of the thing that hit it home so I was like wow this stuff is aggressive this stuff is melodic it's not nihilistic right but it's also not like it's not not say it's not like <laughs> you know what I mean right, it's right. not like like too you know, you know, my feelings are hurt, you know, like kind of, <laughs> kind of stuff. Sure. It, it was like, it, it had like an emotional like impact, but it wasn't asking you to feel sorry for it. Sure. That makes sense. You know? And, and so like no idea, huge for, for us. And so, yeah, I, I had been talking to VAR and we were on tour with Cursive and Small Brown Bike. And this is like 2000. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't seen us yet, and I guess the, the the bike guys were calling him like, "Oh my God, you have to see this band! They fucking fight the audience." <laughs> and Flyers like, "What do you mean they fight? Like they're violent?" And they're like, "No, I mean they they're scary and 
they you just have to see it. They spit all over each other and they're like yelling at the audience. <laughs> and Barbara's like, oh, I guess, you know, rightfully so, he had a bit of trepidation about inviting us into his house, you know? I mean, right. but <laughs> his story goes like, yeah, and he came and saw us and he was like immediately like, oh, I get it, you know? Because we really did not care what anybody thought. Right. Like, we were like so in love with like each other and our little traveling commune mm-hmm. that it didn't matter, you know? It, it really kind of did feel like it was us against the world to a certain extent, but we also didn't have anything to prove except for, like, hey, why don't you just get a little loose and take care of each other? Right. And quit being so fucking pretentious. Jesus Christ, you paid six bucks to get in here. Sure. Like, <laughs> you can have fun with everybody else. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, get loose. And so, and that was the thing, and that, you know, that was the one thing that, like, our god-awful name worked for us, to our advantage, was that people came and thought they were going to see us with their horn rims and, like, cardigans, crying about shit, and instead we scared the hell out of them. So, like, I mean, we, I don't think we were really that scary, but it was all relative to the situation. If you, if you compared the two, you know, the, those two images that you're talking about where it's like, you know, the horned rims and cardigans of obviously the mid-90s and then, you know, your guys' image of jeans that are barely hanging on your body and shirtless, long-haired guys. Like, you know, it's, it, it, it yeah. couldn't be well, further yeah. from... Well, it's like putting a promo picture of, like, Jejun up next to Black Oak Arkansas. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's very... <laughs> That's what it was. Right. And and the thing is, with you know, we we looked scary, like you know, war hippies or whatever. But we we kind of followed it up too. It wasn't like we were like, this is our shtick. Like we really just were in our own collective heads. And I think, and like, this, yeah, the, I think you. This is what punk rock is to us at right. the time. You know, the and the thing that I also noticed as well about you guys, I, I think you use the word commune to describe it, because um, I I remember too where it was like honestly like the the myth of planes mistaken for stars. Uh, you know, after you guys did a few tours, you know, people started to talk about you guys in the sense of not only were they impressed with you musically, but they were just like, yo, these dudes are crazy. Like you know. They like you know sleep naked on top of each other, whatever you know the millions of stories <laughs> that people can obviously you know the game of telephone that is played within the music scene. Um, but I just yeah. I just remember the myth of planes mistaken for stars starting to permeate, and um, fortunately it never dictated you know obviously what you guys did. Where it's like all of a sudden you know planes needs to be a more conservative band because obviously that wasn't the case. Um, but yeah. so did you like, did you guys, you know, did you purposefully like notice that and then kind of like react to it or you were just like, oh, that shit's funny or like how, you know, did, were you conscious of it at all? Um, no, not really. Like yeah. in, in hindsight, like I can, I can see where we like sort of like pump the brakes a little bit mm-hmm. over the years. Sure. But I will tell you like, you know. Like the stories that you hear, like, you know, 75% of them are totally fucking true. <laughs> like, to, like, it's tell- in the other 20, 
the other 25% are inflated and or misinterpreted and or, who knows, like, we were just one of those bands that would just, I think because we were open and, and to so many prospects and so many situations and we, we didn't, nobody was not cool enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We would end up in really bizarre situations. <laughs> <laughs> and, and instead of, and instead of us running, I think some of us sometimes would lend ourselves to the situation to, it was kind of more like an on the road thing, like a Kerouac thing. Like, uh-huh. Hey, let's, let's see what this whole America thing is really about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, sure. No, I get it. Oh, so, yeah. You guys were open to all of the experiences that came along with the randomness of playing different towns each night, and you're like, well, you know, I won't turn this, you know, whatever. Yeah, you won't turn this experience, no matter how controversial, crazy it may seem. It's like, well, like, we need to at least experience this because we're here right now. Yeah, we weren't going back to the hotel room and playing Jenga. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We, I've definitely seen some shit that would turn your hair white. Let's put it that way. Right. No, totally. You know, and it's, it's not, you know, and the thing is, like, almost all of it was good, good natured. Like, we never, we were usually just in the midst of, like, that madness. Okay. You know, like, we were subject to it. Like, we wouldn't, go out of our way to fuck a situation up. Ever. Right. But I think that there's a certain sort of uh, chemistry or magnetism to certain kinds of people that, especially people that are super, like, empathetic, like, almost empaths, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing is about planes, like, the closest thing that ever made us, like, emo was that we're all very sensitive dudes, man. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like we would look out for people, the biggest of wingnuts. And so maybe sometimes we would let people a little too close and then the shit would hit the fan. Got <laughs> you it. Know, where most people would take off running. Like, oh, dude, let's get away from this fucking, this couple or this guy or this place or maybe we shouldn't stay there. We're always open for adventure, man. Right, right. And so as as you guys were progressing in your, you know, I, I I use the word career lightly just based on the fact that you guys obviously never viewed a band as a career, just something, like you said, that was ingrained. Um, you know, you, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you have, uh, you have two kids. How old are your kids now? Nine and five. Nine and five. And I know during, during the, you know, touring years of the band and stuff like that, um, you know, you also... Were you married once or twice during that time? Once, once. I'm, I'm a fantastic subject. Um, I'm yeah. <laughs> no, no, I know. And like, honestly, like, whatever you feel, like if there's any point that you're No, just, no, like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, you know, I have uh, two very beautiful, beautiful children. Two boys, Lux and Loki. Uh, nice names. Just, just the, yeah, thank you. <laughs> just the best. Um, you know... And that, that goes back to, the, like, the whole, we were all kiddos, you know. I got married way too young. Mm-hmm. Um, things didn't work out. Things, shit hit the fan. And, you know, is a lot of that was 
A, you got married too young. B, you spent 10 years away from this person that you married. Right. And people grow mm-hmm. in different directions, and it doesn't always bode well. Right. And you know, it all worked out for the best. Sure. Uh, but the, the kids, man. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's no, when, that's that... when plane, plane started to so, kind of slow down. Not slow down with what we were doing, but when it, and the reason this all comes full circle to you talking about the career mm-hmm. aspect of it, we got to a point where, like, we had done it for so long that we're like, holy shit, we, we really, like, we can't do this. We can't pay to play anymore. Right. You know, and it started to be more of a, hey, let's worry less about, like, going out and being hellions, you know, or, like, you know, running around with our head head on fire. But uh, let's let's focus more on the, the artistry of it and, like, what we really started this for. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I, I think our last two records were our best, you know, and if you, you know, listen to them from the start, like, you know, the first EP to Mercy, you can see, like the natural progression and you can also see where we start focusing more on craft but I think the most important thing about it is that we didn't lose the fire you know right it just got we just honed it sure a little bit better and I mean you know that's not to say we didn't get a little weird on the last couple tours too but it just it just wasn't uh, we just felt much less like a biker gang and more like a, a decent rock band. <laughs> I, li- I like the biker gang analogy. That's really good. Um, and you're, I mean, l- l- you mentioning the last two records, um, you know, the, you had always dealt with, you know, dark subject matter and, you know, kind of, um, you know, you, you were always wanting to put yourself out there. And, um, you know, because y- you, I mean, at, at certain points in your life, you know, definitely had, uh, you know, demons that you had to exercise in regards to, um, you know, I, I don't know how in-depth you were in regards to, like, you know, battling certain addictions you may had or, you know, whatever. Like I said, those demons. But they definitely all came out on the record. And that's, uh, and that's pretty interesting because some people, you know, I mean, obviously you hear artists using, you know, events as catalysts for their art and everything like that. Um, but it seemed like with you specifically, it um, they existed in conjunction of one another and they kind of fed off one another in a way. Um, but then you were able to use that, you know, the records or, you know, the tours or whatever to be able to help you, you know, overcome those certain demons. Um, I don't know if that's me just reading way too into it or if you felt like... No, that's you You having your finger as directly on the pulse as you can. Okay, wow. Um, <laughs> I, I I think, uh, yeah, it's, you have your finger on the pulse, and I'm kind of uh, taking it aback. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I yeah, I mean... for, I, <laughs> no, I, I ran for a long time. Sure. You know, uh, I pushed myself, and I pushed planes, you know, for a long time to, because I wasn't happy, you know, and, and, and that's, there's no easier way to, like, hide from unhappiness than to be somewhere different every day. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, having to do something that is 
required of you every day. And whether that meant writing or whether that meant, you know, touring the world. Like, sure. it just, I was able to run. And, but I was like in a perpetual state of denial. Mm-hmm. Like a complete arrested state of development. Okay. Um, I didn't know when I was writing, like, you know, the lyrics to, like, Up in the Guts or, or Mercy, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know they were true stories. <laughs> that's it. That's really interesting. It was like you were, you were penning an autobiography, but not, not yeah. intentionally doing it. Yeah, I didn't know that they were true. Like, I didn't, I just thought that, wow, all of a sudden I got clever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. And, like, conversely, I haven't written that much the past couple of years because I'm not totally fucking miserable. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's this, it's this new new chapter in my life where I've missed music desperately, and I miss doing that. And But what the hell am I going to write about? Mm-hmm. You know, how great my salad was? <laughs> like, <laughs> for lunch? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. I, you know. Totally. I, it's, like, a, it's a challenge. You know. How, like you, you flex a different yeah. creative muscle. Yeah, and I mean it's getting there. You know, I mean the Hawks record, like, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, because you'll get a kick out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, the, the last song on on Mercy? Okay. It's called Penitence. Mm-hmm. It's that acoustic one, and. uh which is almost kind of like the first Hawks song. Sure, there's elements of like, that. I mean, but that song now, in retrospect, I'm able to look look at it and be like, "Holy shit, that was me saying goodbye." I didn't know it, and I've never been one for like ultra dramatics. Like I wasn't going to jump off a bridge or anything, but right, you know, if I hadn't woke up at one point, I would have been just fine with it. Mm-hmm. And that song's kind of like me saying goodbye and sorry and hey, I tried. Interesting. So, the last song on this Hawks record, um, North of Tenth, is still a song, like pretty somber sounding, but I wanted it to be very similar because it's the exact opposite message. You know, it's the exact opposite. Like that, North of Tenth is like probably the first first love song I've ever written. Right. Like, right. genuinely from, like, a, I am happy, and let's, let's share this, and, like, let's, let's not sleep in the same clothes for fucking ten years. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's sure. not, let's not wallow in our own excrement. You know what I mean? Like, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's get going. Right. Let's, uh, fucking grow up. Sure. It's like, you know, like, and it's, it's full it's, circle. Yeah, and it's fine to grow up, and that's, that's, that's the scary thing, like being in your twenties or being in your late teens. And the big, the big threat is that you're going to grow up and be lame. You're going to, you know, yeah. And you're, or you're going to grow up and you're going to be irrelevant and you're not going to be vital and you're not going to be on fire. And it's not true. Like the, yeah. the coolest people I know are older than me, right. and I'm the oldest guy in the fucking block. <laughs> you know, like sure. Um, you can still push ahead. And so 
those are where those two songs tie in. And yeah. I don't know. I've been wanting to tell you that. I've been wanting to talk to you for some time. You got to fucking return emails more. I, I'm terrible. With Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, is, Facebook, I'm atrocious at. But yeah, no. I mean, that's it. Like when when I listened to the record and I heard, um, yeah. I mean, it's just it. The evolution of you as a musician has definitely played itself out to where it really does reflect your life in you know the most realistic of terms. And it's like you know that there are very few people that are able to kind of you know accomplish that um, in, 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 and in a manner that is done like you you weren't calculated about it. You know you weren't writing this huge narrative where it's like you know the first playing CP or like. This is going to be the story arc of what this band is going to be, and you know, it just it just happens. Oh yeah, yeah, and that that's the difference between the Plains and the Hawks stuff. I mean, the Hawks the Hawks record when we were recording it and when I was writing it, which is a story in, in and of itself. Like, <laughs> we practiced we practiced twice and recorded that. Talk talk about uh, put. Testing your metal, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I was writing those words, um, and that's what it is. I mean, when I started playing music or trying to play music, it wasn't so much that I wanted to be like this rocker guy. You know, I, I just wanted to write, but I certainly didn't want to be a poet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't like the art house scene. I didn't like coffee shops. Sure. I didn't like. The, the pretense or the pretension. Um, so I figured, you know, I could write about these things that I need to get off of my chest, but if I hide it, like, underneath just enough feedback, nobody's going to give me shit. You know? Right. <laughs> and so that's what, that's what we did. But, do you mind if I smoke? No, not at all. I was being cheeky. I understand. Um, yeah, because it's not like you would be smoking on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you're sensitive about these things. Oh, very much so. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, with the Hawks record, it was the first time that I was like, I, I came to the realization that, holy shit, like all of these plane songs came true. And for a while, I thought I like predestined it to happen. So I was like, bad place for, for a hot minute, dude. You know, like, <laughs> they're all, you know, what you call a loud vertical nap for about six months. Right. Um, <laughs> sure, no, I understand Hey, that. dude, oh, hey, man, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you, too, but you've been sleeping on the couch for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of situation. Sure. But, <laughs> but um, so... Then I realized, like, holy shit, like, the, these, all these plain songs, like, it wasn't like they came true. They actually were happening. Right. And so with the Hawks thing, to keep my, just to pull myself out of where I was, I was like, I'm going to document this and totally be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, you know, I mean, it's a bit pretentious, but I call it year one, you know? Yeah, that's, makes sense. <laughs> Um, and sort of to, you know, wrap things up in a somewhat cohesive manner, um, the, you know, like you, I think you mentioned at some point in our talk where the, 
you know, what the simplest way to ask it is like, obviously, like what keeps the fire going where it's like, you know, because so many people could have gone through what you've gone through personally and, you know, gone through what you've gone with business wise and in a band and everything like that, that you would just be like, yeah, I'm just, you know, maybe going to make music, but it's for myself. But, um, you know, that you feel, still feel comfortable to, you know, put it out there to the world. Um, and is it, you know, does it just hit on the fact that, um, this is something that is obviously a part of you and you'll never be able to give it up. Um, uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to shake it. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 on that, but on that same note to like still put it out there, like, you know, cause some people obviously like, you know, they do their shit in the garage and you know, no one will ever hear about it. But the fact that you obviously still pursue, um, you know, formal releases. And I mean, fortunately you obviously have the Avenue with, you know, bar and no idea yeah. because you guys are bros. Um, but yeah, that you still want to put it out there for the world to obviously know and understand. I probably give you a couple answers to that. I mean, one of them's going to sound cheeky, but it's not. And it sure. was kind of the whole thing that all the Plains guys agreed on. It's like we really wanted to make people feel less alone, you know. And and we wanted to feel less alone. We wanted an understanding. We wanted a, like that community, you know. We wanted mm-hmm. to be able to be able to feel like. Hey, we're all on the same page. Like a lot of us, like are right. I'm right here, man. You know, right. And uh, the other part of it's obviously ego. Anybody that plays guitar or sings or any of that tells you they don't need their ego waxed once in a while is lying, playing their ass off. Right. You know, you miss that. You miss people being like, "Oh, dude, the record is bad." You know. The other part of it is I can't shake it. And the other part of it is like fucking fun. Like, yeah, it's it's so it's so much fun. Like it's, I I hope I'm you know, don't ever stop. You know, I mean, there's guys like Tom Waits or Leatherface or you know, cats in their fifties that are doing this shit, and it gives me hope. You right. know, like hey, all right. So yeah, it's, it's but I think it's mainly like, yeah, I just want to feel less alone. I want people to feel the same. That that could that could not be more, you know, the the best way to end this talk because that I mean that's it's very it's it's not only a noble effort but obviously it's selfish at the same time because you're just like hey I want to make you not feel alone because we can feel this together you know yeah yeah like I told you I was raised without telling lines of shit right exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know. Blame my grandpa. Yeah, I will, I will blame your grandpa. I'll find him and say, you're the reason that we have all of this awesome music. Thanks a lot. God damn it. Thank you very much for obviously wanting to participate in this. And yeah, I was glad we were able to uh, catch up and dive deep into things. Thank you, buddy. I'm, I'm glad that you care. Oh, dude, for sure. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I, uh, not, not, not only do I care, but I know other people will care too because it's, uh, yeah, I mean, Obviously, you're still a relevant person within the independent music industry, as it were. So, there you go. Uh, Thank you, brother. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, 
Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.